not as bad as me at five singing the song from Titanic that <laughs> Celine Dion sings at my auntie's wedding as they sign the papers. How did you expect a five-year-old? Five. That's your, not a joke. That's, your, that's on your auntie. That's your auntie's fault. I thought you forgot a verse, didn't you? I feel like I've heard this story before, yes, didn't you? I did. I did forget a verse. And then at the wedding, because I was obviously an only child and like apparently a narcissist at the time. And people were coming up, coming up to me and being like, you did such a good job. And I was like, yeah. And I only forgot one bit. <laughs> like I'm the best. Yeah, it's not narcissistic. It's just, um, it's just optimistic. Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, stories of women that you should know about. I'm Erin. I'm Talissa. And I'm Lucy. Um, what have you guys been reading, watching and, and listening to? No, I haven't really been consuming, I haven't really been consuming anything other than the little amount of sleep I'm able to try and get. I think you are being consumed. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the problem. Were you consuming or were you consumed? The latter. The latter. <laughs> Now, Lucy, what have you been consuming this week? I was feeling a little bit lethargic this week and we're watching Anastasia at home and I was like, do you know what? I'll just do Anastasia because that means that I can research while I watch the movie. Turns out nothing in the movie is accurate. So it was a waste of time. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But do you know what? It was a good time anyway because this is um, one part Fierce Females of History podcast episode, another part my thesis on why Dimitri, even though he didn't exist in any form whatsoever, is and will always be the most attractive animated character ever. This is something this is something the people didn't know that they needed. Yeah. <laughs> and I can I can tell already. I'll read the thesis, but I don't agree. Oh I did I think I did a story on that. Yeah, I think when I was I was applying for a pop culture job at BuzzFeed, which I was not a good fit for. Um, and we had to do articles for them. Free content. I remember that. Such a rort. Um, and I did one on why Dimitri was the best animated character. Do you not have seen that since? Really? Do the rounds. Yeah. Mm, and not also, by me, I don't think. No, prob- I don't know if it was yours, but it was definitely an article to that extent. And I would just like to counter that by saying you all seen Lion King 2 and Kovu <laughs> because he is sexy. Yeah. And I'm not alone. I thought I was like a bit weird because he's a cartoon lion. No, he is pretty sexy. But I yeah. watched this um, Instagram story someone I followed the other day and it's like, what um, character was your sexual awakening? And so many people said Kovu. Yeah. So I am not alone on You're this not. train. You're not. So Dimitri, I respect. Everyone loves a bad boy. It's yeah. so true. Mine was Tarzan, but get this, it wasn't the part of the movie where he's running around with his shirt off. It's the part of the movie where he puts the suit on and he's got his hair up. That I was like, oh, oh, oh my okay. God, I'm, <gasps> I'm oh. Googling, I'm Googling. That was the part that I was, that's the part that I was attracted to. Delicious. Anyways, so we're doing <laughs> Anastasia. We're doing Anastasia. Let's get into it. Early in the hours of the 17th of July, 1918, a family is led down into a cold basement in a house in Siberia. There, they're told they're being transported to another safe house. The White Army is approaching and this family, the Romanovs, must be kept safe. They're told they must pose for a picture to prove they're still alive. But abruptly, the message changes. They're to be executed. 
In rush all of these soldiers with guns. The father, Tsar Nicholas of Russia, has only the time to ask what before he is shot several times in the chest. The mother and one of the daughters begin to make the sign of the cross before they too are shot dead in a storm of bullets, along with the other siblings and some of the members of the household. But what if one girl, a 17-year-old duchess, made it out? This is the story of Anastasia. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I am hooked. Have you heard there's a rumor in St. Petersburg? <laughs> I love that song. I was singing that all day yesterday. I was like, St. Petersburg is gloomy. St. Petersburg is bleak. <laughs> Can I just just say that I've only watched it uh, once um, because my mum told me it was the first movie I ever cried in and I was so triggered I never watched it again. Really? It is kind of scary at the end too. Yeah. It's well, so scary. I chose to sing Once Upon a December in my singing lesson. Great tune. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that one or I did Once Upon a December or a Journey to the Past. I did one of them to audition for the archipelago. Group. Very cool. Oh, oh my obviously. God. I did Mulan Reflections. It pays. We all picked up things. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. It was too high. Anyway. Okay. Enough about me. <laughs> yeah, they're all too high. They're all too high. When you're And I was like 11 and I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally sing this song. No way. All right. Speaking of children, Anastasia is born 18 June in St. Petersburg, Russia. She's the fourth daughter of Tsar Nicholas II and Serena Alexandra. And when I say that everyone is not happy she's a girl, that sounds like every other story where they're like, oh, a girl, spew, vomit, yak, blah. But they're like, we're really not happy. Like her father had to go for a long walk to compose himself before he sees his wife and daughter. And her grand, her aunt, Grand Duchess Xenia says, my God, what a disappointment. A fourth girl. Then some rando cousin says, forgive us, Lord, if we all felt disappointment instead of joy. We were so hoping for a boy and it's a daughter. And then there's a writer, Burden Holmes, who says Nicholas would part with half his empire in exchange for one imperial boy. Now, that's all pretty brutal, but I guess we probably need to bear in mind that it's not just sexism. It's also the monarchy. So mm. he's he wants a male heir. He's only got four daughters, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Cry, We've cry, heard cry. that before. I don't really yeah. care that much about him. this attitude is what we need to bring to every story um anyway she has a rough upbringing or as rough as you know as possible when you're when you're literally a princess but um the kids her sisters maria olga and tatiana and her younger brother alexei all sleep on these hard camp carts without pillows they've got to take cold baths which in russia seems really really rough um and they need to do needlework to sell at charity events so they're getting a real solid upbringing um and she's got a bunch of nicknames like Nastya, Nastenka, which are Russian, and Malenkaya, which means little one, or Schwipsig, which means little mischief in German, which I quite Schwipsig. like. Schwipsig. 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 You were saying two different <laughs> words. Schwipsig. No, it's just Schwipsig. Schwipsig. No, there's no, no fig. Schwipsig. <laughs> like Instagram. Ig. Schwipsig. Whipsig. Oh my god! <laughs> Are you kidding? Schwip sing. No, schwip 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 sig sig. <laughs> schwip sing. Schwip sing. Schwip no, sing. No, take the N out. Perfect oh except god. for the N. Schwip sing. No. Schwip sing. Why is it so hard? Schwip sing. 
Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> that was a mess. That was a goddamn mess. So she's the youngest of the four sisters and she's closest with her, her older sister, Maria, who she shares a room with. They're known as the little pair and then Tatiana and Olga are known as the big pair, which is cute. And the son is the four of them would sign letters with Otma, O-T-M-A. Um, oh, I'm not even going to try. It's just an abbreviation, bro. It's not even <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We should do podcasts this late more often. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. <laughs> Apparently, Anastasia is a bit of a whirlwind. They say that um, she was probably the most intelligent of the kids, but she wasn't great at writing. And um, some say she was super charming and others say she was a bit of a brat. And I think often the two things do go hand in hand. They say she was a lively actress, very witty and often too witty. And she would like hit people's sore spots. Um, and she also apparently liked to trip people up, which is like full on brat behavior. Um, she would climb trees and not come down, which I endorse. Um, and she had a condition that meant she needed massages twice a week, but she hated them. So she would hide in the closet. Okay. She sounds like my spirit animal. Now, apparently she also ate chocolate with her gloves on, which is obviously shocking. <gasps> yeah. Devil. Disgusting. Yeah. And people who knew the family say that she was the least ethereal out of all of the sisters, which is rude. But, um, I guess that's how my sisters must feel. I don't know. I have to ask them. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's um she's blonde. She's got blue eyes. She's still like quite pretty, but um she's just not as ethereal, which is a really um odd compliment to someone. Uh, once during a snowball fight, like she sounds kind of heinous in some ways. Um, she rolled a rock into a snowball and threw it at her older sister Tatiana, knocking her to the ground. And <laughs> Talisa's smirking. <laughs> That's so smart. <laughs> yeah, it was clever. I mean, if they're uh, all being assholes to her, why not? <laughs> I know, like you're not as ethereal, and she's like. Fucking take this ethereal rock. Take a rock. <laughs> yeah, how ethereal is this? <laughs> a cousin, one cousin said, Anastasia was nasty to the point of being evil and would like kick and scratch and cheat when she was playing games with people. But apparently Anastasia was just grumpy because this cousin, Nina, was taller than she was. She sounds like a kid. She sounds like she's being a human she sounds kid. Like a kid. She sounds like a normal kid. Yes. Yeah. Now, <sighs> while... This is all going on and Anastasia is just, I don't know, throwing rocks at people and hiding in closets. The Russian Revolution is heating up. Now, this revolution will mark the end of the Romanov rule and the beginning of Vladimir Lenin's rule. The Bolsheviks, who lead the revolution, will ultimately become the Communist Party of the Soviet Revolution and form the first communist state in the world. So, kind of minor inflection point in history, I suppose. Here comes the context part. Mm-hmm. Russia at the time had been one of the poorest countries in Europe since the early 1900s with a growing minority of poor industrial workers and peasants. And Russia is generally seen by the rest of Europe as um, pretty undeveloped. And I mean, bear in mind that the Russian Empire was still practicing serfdom well into the 19th century, like into 1860. They still had serfs. And that was a thing that a practice that died out in the rest of Europe literally during the middle ages. Mm. So in terms of worker rights and industrial relations and just human rights, they're so far behind, like literally serfs until the 1860s. Anyway, so they get rid of the serfdom situation, but now there's technically a free class of people and they're all pissed off. 
the industrialization of Russia happens between 1890 and 1910. And that's a bit behind the rest of Europe as well. But it means that Russia's cities are becoming really crowded and pretty awful for workers. And there's wars, and which also means there's no food and no money. And everyone's just like cranky. And it's real cold. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good time. It sounds no. a, like a really bad time. I would also be asking questions and starting to point some fingers. Mm -hmm. But in 1905, following this massacre of revolutionaries, Nicholas promises to create representative assemblies called Dumas to deliver reform and equality. But he just it's just, it's just too much dilly-dallying. It takes too long. And by 1914, Russia agrees to fight in World War One. Now, they're fighting with the French, the British, and the Serbians, but this is also not going to go well for the Russians. Remember, they don't have any money. Like, they're, they're, they're yeah. already pissed off, and now he's like, let's go fight in a war, and they're like... Why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what they That's say. That's actually a direct quote uh, from the time. Yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, yes. Mm -hmm. So Russia is just so far behind in terms of industrialization and just general progress that they're, they're annihilated by the Germans who industrialized so much earlier. And the war is bankrupting the country. And in 1915, Nicholas travels to the front to fight. With her husband away, the Tsarina Alexandra, who is of German ancestry, begins firing elected officials as Rasputin, her advisor and very close family friend, exerts his control. Now, Alexandra was not very popular because she was born a German. Right. And now apparently the Russians are fighting the Germans, which I can imagine that that wouldn't make you, um, you wouldn't be the top of everyone's MySpace friends list, to put it that way. No, no. Anyway, Rasputin, or the Mad Monk, was a mystic and a self-proclaimed holy man. And he was a weird looking dude. Truly spooky. I, I looked at a picture of him and it was like he was looking at me through the computer screen. Google him if you want to. Wait, this is, like, you're not talking about real life Rasputin right now. Yeah, I'm you? talking about real life Rasputin. He's so freaky. Like I thought the cartoon version of Rasputin oh was freaky. God, but the real life enough. version is freaking creepy. Yeah, he's like, it's like he's looking at you through the screen. It's Oh just, my God, what the fuck? He's so scary looking. <laughs> why? Why is he so scary? Like, why does it feel like it feels like he's looking at you? It feels like he's looking at you. Most photos don't feel like that. No, they're so intimate. So now the thing about Rasputin is that he joined the royal family partly as a healer for Alexei, who they thought had hemophilia. And there are a couple of things that made the queen really, really like him. Um, she kind of thinks that he saved Alexei's life a few times. And soon enough, he's a big part of the family and some say too big with like stories of him, you know, saying goodnight to the girls and just, I mean, they said that nothing inappropriate happened, but I'm pretty sure there was a maid or a nanny or, or someone who claimed that he raped her. Wait, the nanny? I'm not entirely sure what her role was. She worked in the palace. Um, but claimed that he raped her. Yeah. And no one, no mm. one believed her because, I mean, women lie about mm. rape all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <gasps> <laughs> yep. But he's also pretty unpopular in Russia. So, and some think that his closeness to the family meant that they were losing popularity because it just kind of threw them all into disrepute. Like he was a creep. He had these followers and he would have sex with them and take bribes. And he wasn't popular with the church either. They denounced him as a heretic. Anyway, yeah, he's not, he's not a popular guy. Feels kind of culty. He mm. does seem a bit culty. Um, and on December the 30th, 1916, Rasputin is murdered by nobles keen to end his influence on the royal family but by this point everyone's pissed off um because the Tsar there was a lot of corruption under Tsar Nicholas's rule and the assemblies that he formed they're pretty powerless they don't really do a lot 
and soon enough moderates are joining the radicals in calls for a revolution. And then revolution arrives. So demonstration begins on the streets with people screaming and shouting for bread. They clash with the military, but regardless, within days, Nicholas abdicates. A provisional government is made up of the assemblies, or the Duma, led by Alexander Kerensky. This government wants free speech. They want equality and the right for unions to strike. So this is um, March, February, 1917. Am I bad that I don't think that sounds bad? No, it doesn't sound bad at all. It doesn't sound bad at all. By that point, Anastasia and her family have been put under house arrest at the Alexander Palace in Sartskoye, Selo. But then as the Bolsheviks approach, so they're the guys who overthrew the monarchy, Alexander Kerensky, he's the leader of the provisional government, moves the family to Tobolsk in Siberia. Uh, here, Anastasia and her sisters begin sewing jewels into their clothes so they can hide them from their captors and you know keep some of their wealth. Problem is that even as um, with the new government, it's not enough. So the provisional government still supports the war, which is, you know, it's financially, it's just it's not working out well for Russia. And so this government is overthrown. In, I, I think it was a bloodless coup in November 1917, leading Bolshevik party leader Vladimir Lenin to power mm. for the Romanovs. I've written a freaking O. <laughs> <laughs> Lenin reckons a new wave rule is required. He thinks that rather than the provisional government, which was made up of the bourgeois capitalist class, he wants a government that's ruled by soldiers, workers, peasants, just the guys, you know, the people who are doing the jobs. Mm -hmm. And then he creates the world's first communist state. So the Bolsheviks have seized majority control of Russia. Romanovs are moved to Ipatiev House in Yekaterinburg. And Anastasia is stressing out. So they're captive. Everything's gone so topsy-turvy. She writes to a friend in the winter of 1917, goodbye, don't forget us. Mm. And in Russia, civil war is breaking out. So the Red Army is the Bolsheviks, and then the White Army is basically everyone else. So they're monarchists, they're democratic socialists, they're capitalists, they're all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. And this war is just like burning. Anastasia, under house arrests, writes a theme on a poem by Robert Browning that goes, when she died, she was only 16 years old. There was a man who loved her without having seen her, but knew her very well. And she heard of him also. He never could tell her that he loved her and now she was dead. But still, he thought that when he and she will live their next life, whenever it will be, that she's pretty grim. Mm, yeah, that's dark, but also romantic. Yeah, I don't know who she was thinking of, but um, I don't because I don't it didn't sound like there was Dimitri. Like it. <laughs> Definitely Dimitri. Yeah, she hasn't met Dimitri yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that you know of. That I know Hard of. Evidence. It was Dimitri. We've all decided. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I don't blame it for being so dark. I mean, this kid had a fucking yeah. rough upbringing and then a rough young life. So Yeah, and she's like, she's 16, 17 at this stage. So she's a young girl. Not rough. Um, sorry, that was the wrong term. I didn't mean rough, no. like the general rough life. I meant like yeah. with the war. Oh, I think cold baths in Russia, I would still call that rough. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like it'd be worse to be like a poor family on the street. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that. I meant like I meant like she obviously grew up in a a, a very um traumatic household. Traumatic traumatic and toxic household. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like a weird place. Especially if Russ Butin's hanging out in the hallways at night. Like 
What? Yeah, I know. So gross. That anyway, gives me literally dude. like shivers. Yucky, yucky. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like it. By this stage, the Romanovs have dropped nearly entirely out of contact with the outside world. So I have a family friend, Baroness Sophie, who says this about the last time she saw Anastasia. Once standing on some steps at the door of a house close by, I saw a hand and a pink-sleeved arm opening the topmost pane. According to the blouse, the hand must have belonged either to the Grand Duchess Marie or Anastasia. They could not see me through their windows, and this was to be the the last glimpse that I was to have of any of them. Whoa. Heavy. But reports say that she's still kind of happy. So she and her sisters and parts of their household put on plays in the spring of 1918. According to her tutor, she's so funny that she makes everyone laugh. So she's a funny gal. Mm. she also describes one day where she was on the swing and had a great time and she just says indeed i told the sisters about it so many times yesterday that they got quite fed up but i could go on telling it masses of times what weather we've had one would simply shout with joy and i feel (laughs) like that was me with the croissant story last week i was just telling everyone (laughs) my colleagues like shut up lucy please stop talking about the iguana croissant and i was like no but this is the funniest story ever It is so funny. You have to tell it one more time, please, for our listeners. So I love you fixing your hair before you tell it. Jesus rolls up sleeves. (laughs) So it's been a week and I'm still not over it. Um, There's this in Krakow, in a in Poland, there was this this town of people, and they they saw this animal in the tree and they couldn't figure out what it was, but they were really scared of it. They thought it was an iguana <laughs> or maybe a bird of prey. And they just, they thought it was terrifying. Aww. They wouldn't, they wouldn't leave their windows open because they were scared that this animal would, would like come into their houses. And they said, they didn't know what it was. They just said, it's brown. It's sitting in a tree. It hasn't moved <laughs> for two days. We're freaking out. And they call, <laughs> they call the animal welfare authorities who turn up to find out what this terrifying creature is. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a croissant. <laughs> it's a croissant. Like, it's just so good. I mean. But who maybe, left their they... croissant in a tree? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe someone later on said that they think that maybe they were trying to feed the birds and they threw an entire croissant out the tree, which also seems <laughs> like a strange choice to me. And it's just... <laughs> Pegging a croissant at birds. The picture of it just like wedged in the tree is just too bloody good. The lockdown and the pandemic has really taken its toll (laughs) on some people, which when you think about it, back to Anastasia, she's basically in lockdown. She's in house arrest. True. So no wonder going on the swings was like seeing Oprah Winfrey in the flesh to her. She was like, guys, did you hear? The swings. (laughs) Off the chain, literally. <laughs> I don't blame the so girl. True. She had she had a really good time on the swings. Yeah, she um loved it. Aww. Now she's kind of friends with the guards. Some of them, some of them hate her. Some of them love her. I mean, I think she's a seventeen year old, and given that she's charming, bratty, not as ethereal, but still like charming, I reckon she's just doing what any seventeen year old in that situation would do with a bunch of guards hanging around, which is either flirt or tease or just be a general brat. Um, sure. some say she was a very charming devil. Other guards call her offensive and a terrorist, which strikes me <laughs> as very rich, given they're the ones who literally have her under house arrest. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you terrorized or were you terrorists? <laughs> the latter. <laughs> oh God, this is getting bad. <laughs> 
Okay. Now, the thing is that by the time the summer of 1918 arrives, the family is flagging. They've been locked up too long. She's losing it. Apparently, one day she tries to open a window to look outside and just get some fresh air. Um, but a sentry shoots at her. And so by this Oy. stage, the family has getting... Oh, my goodness. Like, they seem... Some stories say that they're depressed by this stage. Others say that they're kind of chin up and they're not doing too badly. But regardless, I think you, you would still be freaking out a bit, mm-hmm. you know, if you know that you're, the significance of your part in what's going on. Yep. You'd be feeling a bit concerned. How long? How long had it been by this point so this is summer 1918 so the middle of the year and it was february 1917 that they're put under house arrest and 15th of march that nicholas abdicates so, so a year it's, and it's a half a year and a bit oh, yeah just in Jeez. inside locked inside that is pando well it sounds like they kind of got outside a little bit given that she was on a swing but it does seem like mm. unless the swing yeah. was in her mind <laughs> unless it was <laughs> So negotiations for the release of the Romanovs between the Bolsheviks and their extended family or the whites aren't going great. By October 1917, backtracking a little bit, the whites or the anti-Bolshevik forces are actually advancing on Yekaterinburg where the family's being held and this isn't good for the Bolsheviks. So they know that they'll lose their ground to, they'll, they'll lose the ground and they'll lose the royal family to the whites, which isn't what they want because they're kind of like a big bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. By the time the Whites reach Yekaterinburg, the royal family is nowhere to be found. They are presumed <gasps> murdered. Whoa. Dramatic pause. Yes. <laughs> now, years later, we're talking like 1989. Now, no one, no one knows what happens to them. It's, it's a mystery. Now, the Bolsheviks admit to killing Nicholas, but they don't say what happened to the rest of his family. They want to keep the rest of Europe on side and in particular Germany because the Serena had been the cousin of Kaiser Wilhelm, then German emperor. But in 1989, uh, there's a note found detailing the killings by Yakov Yurovsky. He's a person with intimate knowledge of what happened to the Romanovs and it's brutal. So like I said at the beginning, in the middle of the night, they're awakened, told to dress, they, they take them down into the basement and then it goes down. Everyone is shot other than... Serena Alexandra's maid, Anna Demidova, who's stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. Apparently not everyone dies instantly with the gems that were sewn into the girls' clothes, uh, causing some of the bullets to ricochet and forming some sort of like bulletproof vest. Wow. Nevertheless, it doesn't give them much longer. They're still killed. Um, like they're finished off with bayonets and knives and that kind of thing. And like apparently it took some 20 minutes actually to get the job done, which is also pretty brutal. Oh, my God. Jesus. Apparently not even the dog survives. Oh, not the dog too. Why do people react more to the dog being killed than the children? I will never understand this world. Take me somewhere else. I think it's because dogs seem more innocent. I think that's the idea. Than a child? No, but I was sad about the children as well, but the dog just (laughs) adds to it, okay? (laughs) It just seems unnecessary, you know? Like logically you can be like, okay, we've got to get rid of the Romanovs because – we don't want someone for people to rally behind. But the dog, no one's going to rally behind a dog. You could have just let the dog go. Well, Cost you nothing. True. You know? True. Anyway, so the bodies are stripped down. The jewels are taken. The bodies are covered in acid and buried. And then the Bolsheviks just go on a little murder spree. So they take a bit of um, uh, inspiration from Liz, Liz Bathory. Mm. And um, they kill some 
27 other family members in the next 84 days. So really bad time to be a Romanoff. Really bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like I said, we don't know that this has happened to the royal family until 1989. They just say they killed um, Sir Nicholas, although there's there's rumours. Like, everyone kind of knows what's happened, but they don't officially announce it. Which leaves the door open for conspiracy theories, for legends and for myths to flourish. So the Bolsheviks say that they're being cared for somewhere else. And then when the rumors come out that everyone has died, they still think that maybe Anastasia survived. And in the years following the disappearance of the royal family, at least 10 women show up claiming to be the princess. And they offer up various stories on how how they made it through that bloody massacre. Then... On 27 February 1920, a young woman tries to suicide in Berlin by jumping off a bridge. Now she's rescued and she's admitted to the Elizabeth Hospital as Fräulein Unbekannt or Miss Unknown. This woman has got scars to her head and her body and a Russian accent. Now in the years to come, this woman will change her name to Tchaikovsky, Anderson and Romanov. This woman is Anna Anderson. She is the most famous of the women who claim to be Anastasia. And she's basically, um, I guess, what the movie Anastasia is based on. Oh, shit. She says that she had to fake her death oh and managed to live after a compassionate guard took pity on her. And she says that she and the guard eventually fell in love, but then he died in a street brawl. And I think that maybe that's not quite Dimitri, but because in the movie, she's like, a boy who worked in the palace and like he took me through a door and in the movie she's like seven it there's so many things that i'm like inconsistent mm. and i also didn't know why rasputin was the villain i was like you you're kind of just like a bit player in all of this anyway isn't there like a talking mouse and like a magic man yeah but i bet they googled the real rasputin and went that's our guy <laughs> that's our villain maybe that's our villain for that's the story true. that's true we'll get meg ryan um that is wild yeah it is wild, isn't it? And you said that she had scars as well? Yeah, she had scars. Mm. Now, um, I was talking to, I was asking the guys at work just before I, I, I did this, I just asked the newsroom, does anyone know anything interesting about Anastasia? Half the people didn't know who I was talking about. Um, a quarter thought I was talking about the singer, <laughs> Anastasia, which led to a whole other discussion. And then one guy, to be left outside from the sports team, was like, isn't that like the Lizzie McGuire movie? <laughs> we're like and i was like oh, i mean kind bless. of <laughs> like kind of i mean bless he's like yeah because she like pretended to be the singer and i was like i guess that's true so there's some uncanny parallels between the lizzie mcguire movie and <laughs> the the, yeah, the conspiracy of anastasia anna anderson shows up and the feedback on her is hit and miss. Now, some say that she looks like her and they're convinced it's Anastasia and that mm. her mannerisms are similar. Others say this woman has got nothing in common with the lost duchess. She didn't recognize some people that she should have. She didn't speak languages the way she should have. Interesting. She explains it all the way with claims of amnesia. She's also very mentally unwell. So she spends a long time in and out of care um, mental health facilities, mental health hospitals. She's very unwell. And some people say that, yeah, she's the real Anastasia, but she's just been injured so badly that she's, you know, she's not well anymore. Injured? Well, I guess during the attack and that kind of thing. Traumatized. <laughs> injured, traumatized. Also, well, it could have been physical yeah. too. I think. That yeah, was yeah, true. True, yeah. true, true, true. So, so hang on, but no one actually knows whether or not Anastasia really did escape or not, do they? 
At this like point, physically, they don't know. Yeah, no. At this point, because they they don't. No one's seen the dead no. bodies or se- done a body they count. They're pretty certain that they're dead. There's, uh, yeah, the Bolsheviks want to say it's just Nicholas, but it's like it's fairly obvious that the royal family's dead. But no one has actual physical evidence of it. At this point in the story, of yeah, this no woman resurfacing or surfacing. Yeah. Now her grandmother, the Dowager Empress Marie, refuses to meet her. Uh, and even though she never speaks of the tragedy, she it's thought that she believed her family had been killed and she doesn't post a reward to find her. And once when Anastasia's aunt visits this woman in the hospital, she says, I was looking at a stranger. That doesn't stop her going in for a legal battle for recognition that would have landed her the Romanov fortune, more or less. Whoa. Why not? This legal battle lasts from 1938 to 1970. But wow. I think it was the longest running court case in Germany. Holy shite. Yeah, but she doesn't win. The court finds that she has insufficient evidence to be the Duchess. Whoa. The um, Tsarina's brother hires a man called Martin Knopf to investigate Anna, and he reports that she's actually a Polish factory worker, Franziska Shanskowska. So he says that this woman, Fran- Francisca, has been working and had been working in a munitions factory during World War One. When, shortly after her fiance had been killed during the war, a grenade fell from her hand and exploded, killing a foreman like before her eyes and injuring her really badly, um, so badly. And I guess the trauma of the dead fiance foreman killed in front of her grenade going off in her hands. She. It sounds like she has a mental break and she's sent to a mental health facility. Whoa. Anderson, for her part, says, you either believe it or you don't believe it. It doesn't matter in no any way whatsoever. In 1984, Mm. Anderson dies and her body is cremated. Now, here's the thing that surprised me. So she died in 1984, but the bodies weren't discovered until 1979. Like, this is decades and decades and decades after the death of the Romanovs. Their bodies aren't discovered since then. And Mm. I think it's got a bit to do with the fact that it was communist Russia for a fair chunk of that, that time. And no one's really going to be going around digging up the remains of Romanovs while um, that's going on. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Not a priority. No one's going to fund that project. No. So in 1979, that acidified remains of the Tsar, his wife and three of their daughters are discovered in a mass grave near Yekaterinburg. They can't find the fourth body of the daughter and they can't find the body of the son. Now, Anastasia. DNA tests are also conducted in 1994 um, on a tissue sample from Anna Anderson that they had in a hospital. And <laughs> you'll love this, Erin. Um, to do this DNA test, they get tissue samples from Anna Anderson. They get a great nephew of um, Francisca Shanskowska and... Yeah. They get blood from Prince Philip because he was the great nephew of Empress Alexandra. Wow. Continue. I am literally, if I was on a seat, I'd be on the edge (laughs) of it. So please get going. They find that Anderson's DNA is a match. Is it a match for Philip? (gasps) Or is it a match for the great nephew of the Polish factory worker? I feel like I'm really going to disappoint you. It's the factory worker. Oh. So they're like, all right. This woman has shares the DNA with the factory worker, not with Prince Philip. Um, moving, moving on. Then, in 2007, the bodies of another of the daughters and of the son is discovered 
all the Romanovs are accounted for. Shit. There you have it. So wait, what yeah. year was that, did you say? In 2007. But the movie so came out before that. Before. Mm-hmm. So technically they, they, they just skate through on deniable pl- plausibility in terms of not creating a movie that is outrageously, you know, implausible. Yeah. But only just. And you know what? History science says Anastasia died and they have done extensive testing on, you know, like bone fragments and that kind of thing and all sorts of technology to be like, yeah, that's 100% her. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what if it was the maid? What if it was one of the other members of the household that they just like threw in there? Maybe they wanted to say that they got Anastasia, but Anastasia actually escaped and they just didn't want to tell the big bads, you know, up top. And they said, we'll just put another body in there. Did, you know, burn her with acid. No one will know. She could have escaped. I don't think yeah, she did. Yeah, but didn't they do D? But oh, they, they, they didn't do... They 100% did. It was 100% Anastasia. But I'm just thinking, what if it wasn't? But I'm just saying, if they were going to save one of them, they wouldn't have gone for Anastasia, who was described as a brat, who got obsessed with swings really quick for no reason. No, for a reason. <laughs> for a reason. She was locked up. And didn't you say she wasn't angelic or whatever? What was the word you used? Ethereal. Ethereal. Sorry. So, like, they wouldn't have, if they were going to save one, it should be my pick. Yeah, but maybe sure. she saved herself. Oh. I think she saved herself. Well, I don't think she did. I think she died. I think she died. But that's <laughs> the whole idea is that she saved herself. Oh, I'm following now. It's a pretty incredible story, though. Yeah. It's weird how it became such a, not weird, that was the wrong word. It's pretty crazy how it became such a big legend that came all the way up until, like, pop culture when we were young. Yeah. When it actually happened so long ago. Like that's that's wild. Yeah, but a lot of fairy tales and Disney movies are based on folklore and history. True. Based very loosely, very loosely on history. Yeah. True. I want to know about Dimitri theory. Oh, th- my theory is just that he's the hottest. That's all. That's, that's <laughs> all the theory is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that incredibly true story behind the film Anastasia. If you haven't seen it yet, dust off your VHS or try and find it somewhere. It's a classic 90s cartoon and it is it features a hot cartoon guy named Dimitri. And a lot of historical inaccuracies. <laughs> and a lot of historical inaccuracies. And if yeah. you like this episode, go back to, what is it, episode two, episode three, Pocahontas. Talissa covers the real story of Pocahontas. Yeah. Yes. But just like, that's a sad one. We're here to bring truth. <laughs> you should also listen to Josephine Baker because she features in Anastasia the movie, remember? Oh my God. Oh, crossing, yeah. crossing, crossing paths. I love that. Yeah. I just did a scissoring motion with my fingers and I apologise. Was that because Josephine Baker no. was a little bit into it? You know? Oh, hello. Okay. And on that note, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook, Fierce Females of History. You can email us at uh, Fierce Females of History at gmail.com. Or just, you know, um, rock up wherever we are pretending to be the last princess Anastasia will assess mm-hmm. we'll think well you should be approximately 121 years old now but do you know what I'm sure we've got some old listeners as long as you've got jewels sewed, sewed into your jacket we'll, we'll keep you yeah and you're not too ethereal <laughs> and an idea where to find Dimitri because you two can in real life enjoy that get it on yeah and on that note see you next week <laughs> Lift outside alone when it's cold out here. That's the only Anastasia I want to hear from. <laughs>